Uh, we are kicking off a new uh, summer series. It's going to take us uh, eight weeks through the summer, and we're calling it Finally Alive. So before I tell you what it's about... I'm going to begin with an illustration uh, to set the stage of where we're going, all right? So illustration time. So two weeks ago, uh, I got into mountain biking, okay? Anyone here mountain bike? I got into it. Okay, yes. You guys are going to think this is cool. Um, So I got into mountain biking uh, about two weeks ago. I've never done it. A good friend of mine, Brad had an extra bike and he's always kind of wanted me to go with him. And I just, you know, I've always just thought like, I don't have the equipment. It's going to be too scary. So, but I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Okay, now one thing you need to know about me is when I do something, like I am the guy who's all in. Like I wanna get all the gear. I wanna have all the, like, the, the right shorts, the right bike. I, I wanna know everything you, you should know about the topic. So I'm asking questions all the time. I wanna do all the same moves that all the bikers do. Like I just get into it. So I told him, I said, look, I'll go. But, but we're not doing any bunny hills. Like if I go, we're going big. I want you to take me up a mountain and we're going down. And he's like, you're crazy, but okay. And so sure enough, we get there, we, we drive up to Frome Park, you know. Uh, the worst thing though, they didn't tell me about this, is you actually have to bike up. To, and like some of these guys' calves are like just, well, I'm like, how are you doing this? Just passing me and I'm like, oh, what bike shorts do you have? You know, just I'm learning the whole time. Uh, and so we get to the top. And uh, after a long, felt like three years, we get to the top and, you know, you have to switch all the like bike gears over to downhill. So we're switching the gears and you you hit the button, your seat goes down because you're going to be standing the whole time. And so sure enough, we just start. And I, what's, so you guys will know this, it's the bobsled. So I'm going down the bobsled, which is pretty crazy. Um, And we start going and right away, I'm like, oh, just, I'm going to die. Like, who does this? This is a real thing. I felt like I was, I was like on my own roller coaster, but I had to do it. Um, So my first round, I'm just on the brakes. Okay. You know how people like say, oh man, I, I fell uh, mountain mountain biking. I did too, but on brakes. So this was me er, taking a corner. I would fall over because I'd hit the brakes way too much. So, but I'm watching because I told Brad, you go in front of me. So I'm watching Brad go. And uh, so the second time I'm like, let's do it again. And I'm going to do what you did. So I'm thinking in my, in my head, you know, if Brad can jump this part, I can jump this part. If, if Brad can make this turn like this, uh, you know, and onto a tiny small bridge, I can do that too. So in my mind, I try everything I can hoping to be like him. You know, again, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, how do I land these better? How do I get the right gear? What gloves do I need to buy? And then, okay, then uh, uh, someone in our church invites, uh, shows me a video of Caleb and Levi. You guys know Caleb and Levi? So Caleb and Levi, they're professional mountain bikers. Uh, Caleb's right over here. Um, he's, he's involved in our youth ministry. Levi does all of our uh, presentation stuff on Sundays as well. And so they send me a video, cause I'm like, I, w- I can get pro. I'm gonna go pro. Uh, of them, and here's just a clip of that, okay? Here's a clip of these guys. All right, yeah, okay, you know, I got to talk to Kelly about the lyrics, but, but that, that was amazing. So, so here's my question to you as we think about this. Can I succeed like that if all I do is I just watch those videos long enough, if I just get the right gear, will I be able to perform uh, like those brothers? No, right? We all know. We know this. We know that James will die, won't succeed, if, if all I did was try to be like him on the trail. 
Like no matter how gifted I am, no matter how brave I am, why? Why? Well, because we, we know this Caleb and Levi, they didn't achieve their excellence only during the trail run. No, instead, they chose an overall life of preparation of mind and body, their training, their disciplining, so that they can provide the foundation in their body's automatic response and strength to do what they do when they ride. And this is just how God's wired the universe of how things are. The, the amazing timing and strength, for example, of, of a musician like Caleb, or in a concert, or an athlete's incredible uh, ability in a soccer game is not produced by the short hours of the game itself or the concert itself. Rather, they, they, they are available to them for those short, all-important hours because of the daily regime that no one sees. And it, it's the same with our spiritual life. Now, let me just frame this a little different. If you're here and uh, you're, maybe you're new to Christianity, not sure what you believe, someone invited you, uh, oftentimes you'll think that, that Christianity or religion in general, but Christianity in specific is all about moralism. That, that if you have Jesus, you're just a better person. Um, but here's the greatest truth, and we'll get to see this during this whole series um, about Jesus' moral teachings. The genius of his moral teachings was his insistence that you cannot keep the law. Okay, you cannot obey how God's called us to live with him in the center of our lives by trying not to break the law. That'll just sink you into layers of hypocrisy. No, instead, Jesus taught you have to be transformed in the functions of your soul by his spirit, in the presence of who he is. The, the, way, the, way, you, the way you can obey him is, is coming out of an abiding and a relationship with him so that what oozes out of your heart when you need to make the jumps of life, when you need to make those huge turns on the trails of your life, they will just flow out of your walk with him. And so, for example, Jesus will say, uh, you know, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, when your enemy does wrong to you, turn the other cheek. So take a command. If all you would do is intend to just do that, when it happens, I'm going to do that. What you'll find is you can do that with a heart full of vengeance, bitterness. So that moment on the trail can be done maybe with that heart. But if on the other hand, you become the kind of person who has the interior character of Christ. If on the other hand, you take those times where you're remaining in him, trusting in him, loving him, in those spiritual times of discipline, you will find a reflex. You will find available to you the strength that is ready to respond like Jesus. So, so my point in all of this is we're going into a whole summer series talking about spiritual formation, the kinds of spiritual muscles, the kinds of regime that happens in the life of a Christian so that when they hit the trails of life, they can perform like God for God's glory. And so, so we're talking about this whole summer, how do we enjoy Jesus? How do we grow in Jesus? How do we grow our friendship with Jesus, abiding in him through the God-given means or habits of grace, what's commonly called as spiritual disciplines? So, so this whole summer, we're going to be going through the spiritual disciplines. This morning, next week, we're just going to lay the foundation, the groundwork. We're going to look at what's the anatomy of, of spiritual disciplines. What are they made of? How does that whole thing work? Uh, and then next week, we're going to look at what happens. What do they produce? And so 
after those two weeks, we're gonna just go week after week and we're gonna walk through different spiritual disciplines, different ways we get more of God, we grow into more of his likeness. We'll, we'll hit things like disciplines of engagement. So we'll spend a whole st uh, Sunday studying like what is the Bible? Uh, how do we study? How do we devote ourselves to habits of, of memorization? Then we'll talk about worship, service, prayer, fellowship, confession, disciplines of abstinence, like solitude, silence, fasting, secrecy, sacrifice. And so that's where we're going over the summer. That's this series. You guys ready? So we're gonna start today. We're gonna look at the anatomy of spiritual disciplines. Uh, let me also pray and then we'll, uh, we'll begin. Uh, Father, I just thank you. I thank you that we uh, have an opportunity to uh, join the saints of old, even join how you modeled and lived your life in relationship uh, with the Father, Jesus, uh, of how we get more of you, how we respond like you, Lord, how we grow in a relationship with you. And I thank you that you have had this summer plan that you want to stir in us, you wanna awaken in us, uh, those areas of our hearts that we've kept hidden. And through these means of grace, you wanna just do some heart work in us. You wanna show us how beautiful you are, how, how much greater you are. I, I just, I pray that you would begin to just stir our hearts. I, I, I pray that you would taste better this morning than, than everything. Um, and I just, I pray that you'd help me teach God. I. I look forward to just spending time and talking about how we get more of you in the Christian life, how we grow. And so I just, I pray for this. I pray that you'd excite us and, and empower me now in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the anatomy of spiritual disciplines. First, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at both. Is we're gonna look at spiritual and then discipline. We're gonna try to unpack these two. So first, let's look at the idea of spiritual. Before we get into a whole series, we wanna know what we're talking about, how does this work? Uh, and so let me begin by just saying a Christian, and there's, there's many ways you can describe a Christian or understand what a Christian is, but for, for this understanding, let me just say a Christian is someone who's been given a new spiritual sight. A Christian is someone who has new spiritual life in them, that has God's spirit in them, which has produced new loves of God. Now the greatest, deepest, place and heart in the Christian life is a love of God. And that came to them by the spirit when they trusted in Jesus, when they looked at Jesus and they heard the gospel that Jesus had died in their place for their sin, that he paid the debt for our sin, for what we owe. He rose again to forgive our sin, to defeat our sin. And so we too with him have victory over sin. We've been forgiven of sin. It's been gone away. When we trust in Jesus, um, we, we get this new spiritual life. And in that moment, we're not just alone. We have a new relationship with God. So let me explain it this way. The Bible says we were made for God. We were made to have a relationship with God. We lost that relationship with sin. Jesus came back to restore that relationship with God. Okay, so follow me here. Let me give you a verse. So you just go show me, pastor. First uh, Peter 3.18 says it this way. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous, that's him, for the unrighteous. 
Why? That he might bring us to God. The goal of the cross was to, to bring you back into relationship with God. That's why, that's your purpose in life, to enjoy God, to have a relationship with God and to make that joy known so more people can have that relationship with God. It's incredible. Now, what I just said to you is that all happened by the spirit, the spirit took the work of Jesus. When you heard it, he came into you and you came alive to that. He applies salvation, but he doesn't just leave us there. He continues to change us. So let me show you another verse. Galatians 3.3, Paul says this, having begun by the spirit, you became a Christian by the spirit. You didn't do that. God did that. So a Christian is a miracle. If you're a Christian here, the spirit did that. But the spirit not only gives us salvation, he grows us in salvation. Look at what he says next. Paul's speaking against legalism, but he says this, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? The answer is no, because the Holy Spirit's not the only one who, he, he not only is the one who rescues us, but he's also the one who continues to renew us. Okay, so what's my point? We're talking about spiritual disciplines. My point is, is the word spiritual in the Bible is a word to describe what has been brought about by the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to spiritual formation, when it comes to the spiritual disciplines, don't think of this kind of vague new age spiritualism where you just kind of feel this advancement. No, no, rather think caused and shaped by God's spirit. And this is so important. Okay, this is so important. Say to yourself, this is really important. This is really important as we marinate over the entire summer in the spiritual disciplines to remember the spiritual part is the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me put it this way. He doesn't say, God doesn't say in Psalm 37, four, delight yourselves in the Lord. And then he merely just stands back to see if we can do it. He doesn't. He makes a promise with us and says, I will put my spirit within you, Ezekiel 36. And he says this, and cause you to walk in my statues. I will cause you. So he causes what he commands. He says, delight yourselves in the Lord. And then he'll cause that. And so, so be excited. When you think of spiritual disciplines, this is something the Holy Spirit's gonna do. The way God has applied our new salvation and continues the renewing of our souls, the renewing of your enjoyment in Jesus is by the Holy Spirit. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. That's why he exists. He exists, Jesus said, to show you him. And in John 16, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit came to glorify me. So he's in us to show us Jesus is more glorious than anything or anyone else. So you're thinking spiritual disciplines and you're thinking, I want more of God and I can't, I can't do that. I can't get that. So how do I get that? Well, the Spirit's gonna do it. So the Holy Spirit's working in you. So let me, let me be clear on the outset of this whole series. What transforms us is not the disciplines. Let me say that again. What, what transforms us is not the disciplines. So when you read, pray, fast, or obey, that doesn't transform you. They are ways. Reading God's word, praying, all of the disciplines, they're ways of presenting yourself relationally to the Lord 
by the spirit for him to begin to work where he's renovating your heart, where he's showing you more of Christ's love, where you are free to come out of hiding. It will be in those disciplines where by his spirit, you will just get a thirst and a hunger for more of God. The disciplines are where we place ourselves under the fountain of flowing grace. I say that because Jesus encountered a bunch of religious people who disciplined very well. And they trusted in their discipline rather than what the disciplines were meant to do. Get them to see more of those areas where God needed to change and they needed a savior. So, so, so pursuing Jesus through the disciplines, let me say it again, pursuing Jesus. That's your goal, but you're pursuing Jesus through the disciplines is not about us thinking, oh, you know what, I'll just fix myself up. I'm, ex I'm excited about this summer, I'm gonna fix myself up. I've been kind of living for myself, it's been really rough, so I'm, just, I'm gonna do this change, I'm gonna fix me. Mm. You can't, that's my point in the first part, spiritual. Spirit has to do that. You can't change your, your heart. These disciplines are about coming to Jesus who loves our souls as we sang, lover of my soul, and saying, I, I can't bear any fruit apart from you. These disciplines are you coming to God and going, I cannot bear any fruit. I, I, I want you to take me on a journey with you. I want my apathy and my pain and my sin and my life, I want it to be all about you. I wanna have more of you in my life. I want you to take me on this journey into your love where the spirit does the work. We're gonna say a lot of this over and over and over. So, so that's, that's just spiritual. Let's talk about disciplines. So, so let me say it this way. God's work doesn't make our work unnecessary. It makes it possible. Okay, this will be on the screen. God's work doesn't make our work unnecessary. It makes it possible. So uh, the Bible doesn't say, for example, in Philippians 2, God is at work in you to bring about his good purposes. Therefore, just stay in bed. It'll happen. You stay, stay in bed, you'll be fine. No, it doesn't say that. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure, right? It says, work out your salvation because God is at work in you. So what is discipline? Let's just get a common definition. We, we, we talked about spiritual. That's what, which is brought and caused by the Holy Spirit. What's discipline? So here's a definition. Uh, discipline, we know this, is an activity within our power. So it's something we can do which brings us to a point where we can do what we at present cannot do by direct effort. It's what I was saying with mountain biking. Uh, it, it's, it's a natural part of the structure of the human soul and uh, almost anything of significance in our lives, education, your work, your culture, everything from learning a language to weightlifting depends on discipline, right? Discipline. So when you put these together, I wanna make really clear as we start, what are the spiritual disciplines? Simply, they are this, ready? They are the God-given weights in the gym. 
They are the God-given means or habits of grace. Like we said, studying, memorizing God's word, prayer, worship, fasting, confession, fellowship, silence, solitude, where we can position ourselves into where God's ever pouring grace and presence flow. It's where we bring ourselves into the presence of God. They're, they're habits, they're pathways by which we, we bring ourselves before the throne of God above. And as we enjoy a growing relationship with Jesus through them, he changes us. He changes you for the purpose of godliness. We'll get to that next week, but, but that's the anatomy. So it's the anatomy of spiritual disciplines. Uh, let's just talk, how do we think about them, okay? How do you think about spiritual disciplines? I think I understand them, James. It's a work of the spirit where I do too, um, okay, good. So here's how you think about it. I, I, really young, was taught a really good analogy, and you probably heard it before if you grew up in the church, of that of a sailboat and the wind on a lake. Anybody hear this one? I'll explain it to you. So, so think of the Christian life um, where God's spirit is like the wind, so when you become a Christian, you're placed onto the lake of God's acceptance. You're the lake of his righteousness. You are, you are saved. You're on the lake. And God's spirit during this life, he, he is blowing to transform us. He's making us more like him. And so we're changing. He's not not doing that. The Bible says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So he's blowing. The wind is coming. And so your Christian life is you're like the sailboat. And these disciplines are, are our role to set the sail. So, so we can set the sail of our Christian lives and we can get more of him. We can grow to become more godly. We, we can enjoy Jesus more by, by through these disciplines, setting the sails and moving forward. Okay, let me give you a verse. Setting the sail is communing with God. It's, it's where his glory is. So here's the verse. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 3. He says this, and we all, with unveiled face, that was the work of the spirit. We couldn't see how great God was and the Holy Spirit does a miracle. So now we can see how great Jesus is. He's not boring anymore. We love him. We just, we want us. When we, we do the disciplines, we behold his glory. He says this, we're being transformed to the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So you see that spirit disciplines. We set the sail, the spirit works the miracle. You with me, Shore Church? Good. So think about the spiritual disciplines in this way. I can flip a switch, but I don't provide electricity, right? I can turn on a faucet, a faucet but I don't make the water flow. This is what we can do. The spirit does the rest. Give you some more verses. First Corinthians 15, 10, Paul says this, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So I, I turned the faucet, wasn't me. The spirit worked through me. Romans 15, 18, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. So Jesus was accomplishing grace through him. Another verse, uh, Colossians 1, he says, I toil. So I, I work hard, I'm sweating and I'm struggling with what? All his energy, his energy that he powerfully works within me. 
What I'm trying to say is God's grace, the grace we get when, this, when we set the sails is not passive, but is active. It's always moving us to become more like Jesus. It's always moving us to, to not hide in our sin. It's always moving us to become more like who God's already made us to be in Jesus. Perfect. He loves us. He's growing us. He's changing us. But it takes us going to the gym, okay? For, let me give me another verse. First Timothy 4, 7 says this, rather train yourself for godliness. Train yourself. So he says, for while bodily training is of some value, this is Paul, he's talking to Timothy, he's a new church planner uh, on the scene in Ephesus, the church is blowing up uh, in terms of not good. Like they're all freaking out. They wanna get him rid of him because he's too young and he's really insecure. And Paul's like, don't quit, stay here, preach and teach. Um, and he's like, you gotta train yourself for this. The only way you're gonna stand in this war that is the Christian life and being a pastor is if you're, if you're not just doing push-ups, you, you gotta get into where God's muscles grow into the presence of the living God. So he says, train yourself. That word actually is, word, is a word that we get the word gymnasium from. It implies sweat and effort. And then notice what he says, training yourself for godliness for while bodily training is of some value, godliness of, is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. What you sow in your training of godliness will matter in eternity. It, it makes a difference. I don't know how that works, but it does. So he's saying, discipline yourself, right? This is what this whole summer series is about. It's just an intro sermon. I'm, we're, I'm gonna get you hooked, I promise. You're gonna be out, I promise, okay? Promise. He's saying, discipline yourself for doing whatever it takes to get under the fountain of God. Take regular action to get more of God in your mind and in your heart. Take regular action to get more of God in your mind and in your heart. Discipline yourself. For it's God who works in you. Okay, how many of you have noticed, it's kind of the elephant in the room that I've been working out, okay? <laughs> You've noticed it. Some of you are like, glad he said it because it was getting awkward for everyone. Yeah, you know, you can just see it with your eyes. It's obvious. Um, here's what I can tell you, okay? Two months ago, two and a half months ago, when I started, it hurt, okay, it hurt. I felt like all my muscles had the flu every day. You know that feeling? Like, is it my sick or is this just, never use these things. Um, it cost, right? I had to make time for it. No one has time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. We just don't. But I was like, you know what? I know the reason I want to work, I want to be healthier and I want to be stronger. Like when your two-year-old is heavy, you're like, I should probably work out. So that's what I want to do. And so I, I, I pushed myself. I disciplined myself. I told myself at the beginning of the short church, I'm going to create habits. I'm going to make physical habits to make this thing happen. And uh, it, it was really hard at first, but it was, it's good for me. And, and I, here's why I say that. I bring this up because not only is it the analogy of the Bible for this, but um, when you start memorizing scripture, when you begin that day one of fasting, when you, when you start focusing on those times of prayer where you just, this hour is like an appointment with a doctor. I'm just gonna go talk to Jesus for a whole hour. It costs, 
it is hard. Memorizing scripture is hard. You'll, you'll be like, I just don't get, I don't feel it. So you'll try and try. And then you'll be like, I think I got this. And you'll be like, oh, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And, and so it'll feel like day one when you work out. But don't quit. Fight that. Our goal in this series is we're gonna give you many ways during that week you can practice that specific discipline. We're gonna give you assignments every week. Here's how you're gonna fast. Here's how you're gonna walk in this. Here's day one, day two. Here's how you're gonna do these things. And what I wanna say at the outset of this is don't quit. Don't quit. We're not wrestling against our just our old nature that desires to do life without God. Your old nature just says, I can do my own thing. I don't need God. I'm gonna push him out to the margins of my life. You're not only fighting against that, the Bible says you're fighting against a real spiritual enemy that wants to constantly eat your soul. Push against it, short church. Feed what you want to grow, okay? Feed what you want to grow. How much more of infinite value is getting God into your mind, into your heart? Uh, Elizabeth Elliot, she's a famous missionary who lost her husband and just a whole village has come to Christ. God used her life like crazy. She says this about discipline. She says, discipline for the Christian begins with the body. We have only one. It is this body that is the primary material given to us for sacrifice. We cannot give our hearts to God and keep our bodies for ourselves. Um, I really appreciate Dallas Willard. He's written lots on this. We'll get some of his books at our book table. Um, but speaking into this issue, specifically in our generation, here's what he writes, and I got it for you up here as well. He says, the enemy of our time is not human capacity or overactivism, but the enemy is passivity. The idea that God has done everything and you are essentially left to be a consumer of the grace of God and that the only thing you have to do is find out how to do that and do it regularly. I think this is a terrible mistake and accounts for the withdrawal of active Christians from so many areas of life where they should be present. It also accounts for the lack of spiritual growth for you can be sure that if you do not act in an advised fashion consistently and resolutely, you will not grow spiritually. We all know that Jesus said in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. We need to add, if you do nothing, it will be most assuredly without him. Without effort, we would be nowhere. So what we're talking about now, next week, this whole, this whole summer is about getting thrilled and expectant about the stuff of everyday Christianity that has been practiced over centuries. Like, like we're, we, we want to be thrilled with and expectant about Bible memory. Just getting thrilled about it again. I mean, the spirit will put that in my life when I need it. because this is where he's promised his blessings flow. This is where his spirit is alive and is changing us. And short church, I love you. And my prayer for us is that we would be captivated to set the sail in our walks with Jesus. Like, do you want that? 
I mean, do you want that? That, that we would see the way to receive the gift of God's empowering our actions is to do the action. We would just see that. And, and please hear me on this. When the Holy Spirit gives us the desire to get more of him in the scriptures or in prayer or in silence and solitude or among his people, we don't receive that gift without experiencing the desire and living out the pursuit. So, so here's my call to us, my, my prayer for us. all week is that you would have the heart of Zacchaeus. Jesus, would you give us the heart of Zacchaeus? So let me tell you what I mean. If you have your Bibles, we'll have it up here, but turn with me to Luke 19. Luke 19. Here's what we read. Jesus enters Jericho. So he entered Jericho and was passing through, verse two, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. And he has gone to the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he is also son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Okay, there's a lot there, but notice Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was. That's very different than seeking to see what does Jesus look like? Zacchaeus knowing his whole life of he could go anywhere, have anything of, he was a wealthy man, a feared man, he had power, he had money. He wanted to see if Jesus really was who he said he was. He wanted to see if he was, if he was God come to save, if he was the Messiah, if he was the grace of God, if he would forgive him, if he would have everything he's ever longed for, a purity of heart. Zacchaeus wants that, but he can't get that. He wanted to see if Jesus really was his salvation. He wanted to see if Jesus really was the life he's ever, always and ever wanted. So follow me here. What was flowing in Zacchaeus's heart was a pursuit to position himself where he got to see more of who Jesus is. What was flowing in Zacchaeus's heart was a pursuit to position himself where he got to see more of who Jesus is. Is that in you? I mean, is that in you? Is, is it in us to go, I just, I wanna get in the path of Christ wherever he is, just get me there. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. 
At your right hand are pleasures forevermore, Psalm 16 says. I struggle with that. But here's what I know, Zacchaeus couldn't make grace flow. He couldn't make grace flow, he couldn't wish it in, but he could put himself by faith along the path where grace himself was coming. Think of spiritual disciplines, Donald Whitney says, as ways we can place ourselves in the path of God's grace and seek him. Jonathan Edwards put it this way, he says, you can, quote, endeavor to promote spiritual appetites by laying yourself in the way of allurement. Man, he's just, who writes like that? And, and you know what happened? Zacchaeus' life changed. It, it transformed one of the most powerful grips on the human soul, what money can do in your life. It changed his relationship to how he treated others. But I want you to see at the same time, we're saying the spirit blows like a wind and he's chasing after your soul and it takes discipline. What you need to see in this text is Jesus knew he would be there. Psalm 139 says he knows our words before they're in our minds. He knew Zacchaeus would be there. He was chasing after him. Jesus is chasing after you. He knew where he'd be and he met him there. You need to hear this and you need to hear this not from me, but from God, the Holy Spirit. God wants you to, God wants to spend time with your heart. Some of you don't believe that. Some of you don't believe that. And you need to hear this. God wants to spend time with your heart. He wants to spend time in the darkness, the struggle, the strange, what feels like days, like schizophrenic love. He wants to spend time in the frustration with your habits for wanting sin. He wants to spend time there. Like he wants to, you gotta, Jesus wants to open your heart. He, he doesn't wanna just scream at you. He doesn't wanna just condemn it. He's died for it, he was condemned. He screamed on the cross so that he could split that thing open and work in there. He wants you to come out of hiding. He wants to usher you into enjoyment of him you didn't think was possible because of the stuff that's hiding. The spiritual disciplines will just awaken those corners that Christ already died for and wants to, by his spirit, change in you. He wants to replace those affections with new ones. So, so make it clear this morning, disciplines are not about getting more accepted. You're not gonna be more loved by him because you did this or didn't do it. He loves you because he loves you. Spiritual disciplines, they're not about solving behavioral problems. The 10 steps are disciplines. They can't change your heart. They're not about solving problems. So please don't use these disciplines to cover your badness. Don't think, you know what, God, if I just do some of this, I can keep this. Mm -mm. Rather, use them, pull them into your life to say to the God who's died for you, I'm done hiding. 
like I want you to change me. I'm so sick of being apathetic. I'm so sick of playing church. I rarely feel you. Spiritual disciplines are, they're never about earning God's favor. They're never about twisting his arm where you can control his blessings like a combo. Like if I just two verses this week, one fast next week, you'll let me sell my house. Nope, no. They're about getting more of him. They're just about getting more of him. I want more of him. I just want more of him because he's great. He's wonderful and in his presence, there's joy in life and that's all I want. If you have him, you have everything. It's readying your soul for the mountain biking of this life. You're gonna hit so many bumps. You're gonna have to make so many turns. And if you're not ready, Jesus didn't die so we can now act good. Let me make that really clear. These disciplines are about a relationship, not behavior modification. Jesus didn't die so that we can act good. Lots of people act good. He didn't die for, to change behavior. He died to get you back into a relationship with God. Disciplines stir your relationship with God. They're not about the disciplines, they're about the relationship. Just like a date night, a disciplined date night gets you into relationship with your spouse. Disciplines are about becoming like the one who's made us good so that we can enjoy him and become more like him. Those are very different. So as we close, I just, I pray the spirit would be stirring like that's, you know, when you're lighting a barbecue and you're like, and the propane's on and you just can't wait for the, that's what I'm praying. Just in my head right now. I'd be going, and it's like, it's only he can do that. It's up to you. But my prayer and my, my ask is that you would pray that God would do that. And here's what I want you to pray. So we're gonna band, you can come up. Here's what I want you to pray. God, I don't wanna deal with my, how do I say this? I'll just say garbage. God, I don't wanna deal with my sin and my garbage on my own. Just say that. God, I don't, I don't wanna deal with this on my own. Just tell him that sentence. I don't wanna hide on my own. And then if your heart's ready, you say this, I want these disciplines. Because if the spirit's in you, that's what you want. And, and like when you face the gym the first day, the other part of you doesn't want that. So I get the rustle. There's two go things going on in your heart right now. One, ah, I don't want this. You know how busy I am? Number two is I want this so bad. And these are just happening right now in your heart and mind. 
And so you can't get rid of this one without the spirit. You can't, you can't will that out. I've tried, can't tell you. So you don't have to waste your time like I did. But you can ask him for his help. You can say to God Almighty, who's alive, I want these disciplines. I don't wanna be afraid of seeing myself. That's a really big prayer. If you can ask God today or tell God today, I don't wanna be afraid of seeing myself. That was already a work of the spirit. And I invite you to come in, split open my heart, because you're the lover of my soul and take me on a journey. Will you pray that? Will you stand with me as we respond? As we close, we're gonna sing, we're gonna sing worship songs that are gonna plead these sentences to God. And that's, my, that's your, your desire is to worship God and ask him to be a greater affection in your life than anything and everyone else. And that's worship. Worship is you're better, you're everything, I love you. And then we'll have a prayer couple here that would love to pray with you for wrestling with some of this. I don't even know where to start. I'm so new to this faith thing. Just help me. They'd love to talk to you more after. Um, and then we'll have a couples who will celebrate communion, which is the finished work of Jesus. So you gotta think about it this way. Salvation is something God does for us. Growth and spiritual sanctification is God, what God does through us. We participate in that. But here, here's, what, here's what, in essence, you wanna call out. You wanna call out, or, or here's what you wanna hear. You wanna hear Jesus call out, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Because if you're gonna climb that sycamore tree in faith this morning by praying what I asked you to, Jesus is saying to you this morning, I'm coming to your house. That's what the spiritual disciplines are. It's Jesus coming to your house. I'm coming to your house because I'm gonna change you there. And so if you don't wanna be changed there, don't pray that. But if you wanna be like Christ, if you wanna have fellowship and friendship with Jesus, you need to do it on his terms. And his terms are the channels of grace he's provided. And that means the only way to extraordinary holiness is through the ordinary means of opening your Bible, praying, fellowship, all the disciplines. It's about becoming finally and fully alive in the life that Jesus has bought for us. Let me pray. Jesus, I, just, I thank you for just how sweet you are. It is sweet to trust in you. It is sweet to just realize like all the stuff that, stresses us out, won't give us life, even if we got those things. You're the only one who gives us life. And we just, we waste so much of our life, not in the pathways where we get life. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just propane it up in here. And that, uh, Lord, I know our fires will die down Monday, Tuesday, but I pray if, there was, if there's one or two disciplines we know you're calling us into, that we can begin, help us to run into that, just so excited about it, with no expectations, 
But I, I do pray that as we come before you, I pray that, that we would, we, you would hear many of us say, I don't wanna deal with my sin on my own. I don't wanna hide on my own. I don't wanna be afraid of seeing myself. I just want you to come in. I want you to come into my house. I pray we would, we would begin there. That's the only application. In Jesus' name, amen.